0: I was given my father's chair, working alongside my uncle and cousin. He sat in a side office, working on the commercial side, whereas I was made manager of three small wharves. I was a bit of an upstart, still very young. (laughs)
1: You're listening to On Course, a podcast from Dahmen, about how a visionary idea turned a small company into one of the biggest shipbuilders in the world.
0: So when I was made manager, it was quite difficult. There were managers at all three of the wharves who had their own ideas.
1: My name is Volkert Tempelman, and I've been fascinated by Dutch entrepreneurs at home and abroad for years. In this podcast, you'll hear a remarkable story about headwinds and perseverance, about daring and doing. Hardingsveld Giesendam, a small village in Alblasserwaard, on the north bank of the Merwede River, near Rotterdam. If you walk along the dike here, you see the wide river flowing past. Behind it, a little further away, lie the small green islands of the Biesbosch. Look the other way and you see a polder landscape. It couldn't be more Dutch. Anything but spectacular. But still, there's a reason why we're here. Because this is the place where the Damen story begins. In order to understand how Damen started, we need to go back in time. Back to the 1920s. Here, in Hardingsveld Giesendam, there was a modest shed. From there, brothers Jan and Marines Dame ran a small business. They were good with their hands. They could make just about anything that there was demand for.
2: They weren't doing anything with ships or boats. They were happy tinkering away in a shed behind the house, doing some electrical work, replacing piping, and fixing bicycles. My name is Joke Korteweg, and I'm a maritime historian specializing in Dutch shipbuilding, particularly in the 19th and 20th centuries.
1: You could say the two brothers were real entrepreneurs. But they became that out of dire necessity. Their father died when they were young. So before they were even 20, Jan and Marinus were responsible for feeding the family. And they ended up in shipbuilding almost by accident.
2: Back in the day, all you really needed to build ships was water behind your house and a slipway. You didn't really need much more than that.
1: Marinus had once worked in a shipyard, and Jan in a machine tool factory. They applied their skills to repairing stovepipes, building bicycles, and making tins for local bakers. But living beside a river meant a step to building a boat came naturally.
3: And that 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 boat caught the eye of a
2: passing bargeman, who bought it. And so they very cautiously continued to develop that side of their business. It didn't take a great deal of investment. They needed the materials and they needed space, but of course they already had that behind the house. I get the sense that there was a lot of coincidence involved, and entrepreneurial spirit. They had inquiring minds, they were interested in what was going on around them, and thought about how they could make money the boat they actually built for their own use, turned out to be something they could sell. So those enterprising young men thought, well, we can take this further.
3: In 1927,
1: Jan and Marinus founded their shipbuilding business, Scheepswerf Firma Gebroeders Damen. That first boat was followed by a second and then a third.
2: That's how the company started. My father built the
0: engines. My uncle was the shipbuilder and my father took care of the commercial side and the mechanical engineering.
2: Ik ben, uh, Dina I'm Dina Damen, Commer's
1: sister.
0: Ik ben, uh, Kommer Dame. I'm Kommer Damen. Kommer, Dame. Kommer and
1: Dina Damen are Jan Damen's children. They talk about the early years of Scheepswerf firma Gebroeders Damen during which the company mainly built rowboats, and later also workboats with a shallow draft, known in Dutch as vletten.
2: They also built a number of so-called parlevinkers. They sold really well because the river was on the shipping route from Rotterdam to Germany. So that was really good business at the time.
0: Parlevinkers were a type of boat. They acted as grocery stores on the river. They sold food, drinks, everything you needed on board. To keep the boats cheap, my father converted second-hand Ford engines from old cars for use on the water. It all had to be done on the cheap.
2: I think they built something like 10 or 12 of those fingers. It was really good work.
1: The Damen brothers were very adaptable. They had a keen sense of where the demand was and cleverly responded to it. And so their firm steadily grew. Four years after its founding, in 1931, they moved to a real shipyard beside the Merwede. This allowed them to ramp up production. In 12 years they built more than 100 ships. And even when the Second World War had the Netherlands and the rest of Europe in its grip... Jan and Marines were able to turn circumstances to their advantage with their inventiveness.
3: My mother's
2: two sisters were both married to skippers, and the Germans wanted to confiscate their barges. But they said, what? You want to confiscate our barges? We won't let you. So they sank them, and my father drained the engines so that they could be used again when the ships were raised after the war. Then they were refurbished, and simply set sail again. Well, that made those two uncles a whole lot of money, because it meant they had barges when there were roads that needed to be built. They fetched gravel and limestone from Belgium. Not many people dared to sink their barges. That was quite something. was
1: Thanks to that smart trick, the shipyard was able to respond incredibly quickly to the huge demand for shipping in the post-war reconstruction years. In 1953 fate struck our country again. Large parts of southern Holland suffered from the worst floods in Dutch history. Once again, Diamond's boats proved very important.
0: There were many dikes that had been breached, and where there were really big holes, water flowed in and out with the tides. They closed the holes up with concrete barriers that they floated into the gaps and then sunk. Of course, they needed lots of boats for that. Small, shallow-draughted tugs in particular. The Water Management Authority, Rijkswaterstaat, needed extra boats too, and dredging companies, and contractors. So that was quite a good boost to the business.
2: The Damen flotten were everywhere, not least when the delta works began. We supplied a lot of boats for that too, including to Rijkswaterstaat because they needed them to take measurements. We sold around 12 boats to them.
1: Komer was born in 1944, and Dina a few years later. Their family numbered three children, plus father Jan and mother Nell. Komer and Dina had an unusual childhood. They literally grew up at the shipyard and saw everything that was going on.
2: Even back then, he was very smart and forward-thinking. He actually skipped a year, which meant he went straight from the first year to the third year. When I got to the school, they said, Dammen, you must be Komer's sister. And I said yes. Now, that
3: can welcome.
2: You'll do well, they said. They were always talking about Komer. Even back then.
1: And if there was a fight in the playground, you could bet your life that Komer was involved. He knew what he wanted and he wasn't too bothered by the rules. And sometimes that had consequences.
2: Sometimes people would come to our door and say, that son of yours has taken all the apples from our tree. My mother knew he brought apples home, but she didn't know where they were from. He said someone had just given them to him. But no, he'd picked them from the orchard. He was always getting into trouble.
1: Of course, back then, no one had any idea what Commer's free-spirited character would later lead to. In the meantime, his father's company was doing well.
2: Initially, Damen got its orders from customers in the surrounding region and from the government, for example, Rijkswaterstaat. They were a major buyer of the Vletzen and the yard also started building patrol boats for the
3: police.
1: As the son of a shipbuilder, Kommer's career seemed to be mapped out for him, as did the future of the company.
2: But the really big change occurred when Kommerdamen began his studies. For the first time, shipbuilders' sons were being sent to college to learn the profession. For a long time, it was the case that you learned the trade from your father, and then ultimately you got to take over the shipyard. So it's remarkable that even in a very young firm like Damen, the son was first sent to college. That meant they understood the importance of acquiring knowledge more knowledge than they had
3: themselves. Of course,
2: he went to the technical college because he wanted to go into shipbuilding.
0: The HTS was the higher technical school, a kind of polytechnic for shipbuilding. They taught all the subjects you needed to be able to design a ship. My name is is Piet-Hein Nordibos. I first met Kommer when I went to the HTS. Kommer was in the second year, and he'd had a turbulent year before that.
2: He didn't always turn up for classes. He spent more time in the cafe than at school, so he was eventually expelled.
0: I was a rather undisciplined student, so I got expelled.
3: And, um, yeah, my father that verschrikkelijk, of, course.
2: of course my father was appalled and he wasn't allowed back then my father wrote a letter which i still have it says something along the lines of he's such a lovely boy won't you take him back
3: <laughs>
0: and so they decided to take me back a year later that meant in september they would only allow me to come back in the next academic year
2: So they said, then he should spend a year of practical learning. So he went to the IHC shipyard.
3: I
0: spent a year working as an ironworker for Lane Smith, which is now part of IAT. In hindsight, that was probably the most instructive period of my entire training. It was there that I learned how to motivate people and how to improve the organisation of a shipyard. How do you get people working? How do you motivate people? Nothing happened in that shipyard before 8.30 in the morning because there was no management around. Everyone stood around warming their hands because it was very cold on those slipways, especially in winter. The manager would stroll up at 8.30, which taught me that I needed to be there walking around the yard at seven o'clock. That's all you have to do. If you're there, everyone just gets down to work.
1: After his year at the shipyard, Kummer was allowed to return to school there he met Piet Hein Nordenbos, who became one of his best friends.
0: He stood out. Kommer was always well-dressed and he always had a flower in his lapel. He reminded me a bit of Prince Bernard, but he didn't want to hear that. Kommer would often hold court during drawing classes, telling us about the shipyard where he had worked, and what they were doing wrong in his eyes, and how it should be done.
3: And he always
0: knew how to make people
3: laugh.
0: Something else we noticed was that Marianne van Sant, his girlfriend, and later his wife, would do a lot of the drawing work for him. So Kummer was outsourcing even then. He used that time to play cards at the front of the room. Nobody really dared play with him because he always won.
1: He was always pushing the boundaries, always going off the beaten track. Even so, eventually he had to roll up his sleeves. Otherwise,
0: he wouldn't graduate. In the first half of the fourth year, Marjan could still keep up with the drawing work. But in the second half of that year, we had to make our own design. And Gummer had to do that himself.
2: And then he got his HTS diploma. After that, he went into the Navy.
1: No rest for the wicked, as they say. When Gummer completed his studies in 1965, he was called up for military service.
0: Immediately after we graduated, Kumar and I organized a farewell ball for the HDS on board a ship. After that, we packed our bags and headed to the Navy to do our medical. We got radio lessons, navigation lessons and dancing lessons. You might wonder why. Well, if you arrive in a foreign port on board a Navy ship, you're expected to report to the ambassador or to a dignitary. And that usually provides the excuse for a party, which means you need to be able to dance.
1: The two friends had the privilege of being made navigation reserve officers and were put on special missions. In early 1966, they were ordered to sail to Gibraltar on board of a minesweeper delivering a batch of spare parts, On the way, they called it
3: Lisbon.
1: Our
0: crew of 12 men were housed in a single room on board. Imagine there was one staircase down, no way of escape, and we all slept together in that space. You end up bonding with those people. On the way there, we had to peel potatoes... We sat on the rear deck and Comer had a Portuguese phrasebook and was reciting Portuguese words for us to learn. I have to admit, I was pretty seasick. Comer was one of the few who wasn't. That was when he discovered he was an excellent sailor. He kept watch and he saw how important it is to have good people around you.
1: The mission was a success. Back in Holland, a formal graduation ceremony was planned. But Kommer wouldn't be there. He was urgently needed at Scheepswerf Veerman Broeders Damen. In Kommer's absence, the firm had continued to grow. But his father Jan was in poor health. He wrote an urgent letter to his son, telling him to return home as soon as possible.
0: Kommer was to take his place in the firm. And with, with that letter from his father, he was allowed to leave the Navy and start working in the family business.
1: By then, Scheepswerf Firma Gebroeders Damen was 40 years old and had three wharves. It was a real family firm, in which everyone was involved. After dinner, they would often go back to the yard. So for family members, it was completely natural to start working in the company from a young age. Dina, for example, started working there when she was only 16. But Komar wasn't that concerned about what others expected from him.
2: He wanted to sail around the world, but it just wasn't possible at that time.
0: Me and a few friends from the Navy dreamt of sailing around the world, but there was no room for that in my father's plans. He said, you need to start working now, because I've waited for this. So it was simply out of the question. I just had to start working for the company. It took Komer,
1: then 23 years old, a little while to develop the right attitude to work.
0: I was given my father's chair, working alongside my uncle and cousin, who was about eight years older than me and had been working there for a long time. He sat in a side office, working on the commercial side, whereas I was made manager of three small wharves. I was a bit of an upstart, still very young, so when I was made manager, it was quite difficult. There were managers at all three of the wharves who had their own ideas, and I remember clashing with one of them. Jan van der Fries. He'd promised to do something, and I had a feeling he wasn't going to do it that day. So I drove to the site at the end of the day, and I said, did you do what you were supposed to do? And he said, no, didn't get around to it. So I punched him really hard in the face. B was was much stronger than me. I thought, I'd better get out of here. I drove back to the office along the river Dyke with him chasing me. He chased me up the stairs and then he started yelling at my father, saying, if I stayed, he'd be gone
1: tomorrow. And it was no better at the office.
2: Having the two cousins there just didn't work. I remember all those quarrels because I had started working in the office a few years before then.
1: It was clear that something had to change. And Kommer knew what that something was. He had a great idea. To understand how great, you need a little bit of background. After the Second World War, there wasn't much left of the Dutch merchant fleet. And it was proving difficult to build it up again. Because there were severe shortages of materials like steel. Only around 1950 did the Dutch shipbuilding industry return to its pre-war level. That's when they started building large vessels again," says maritime historian Joke Korteweg.
3: "Alleen er was behoorlijk wat veranderd in die hele A great deal had
2: changed throughout the shipbuilding industry. During the Second World War, the Americans urgently needed warships that could be delivered incredibly quickly. They switched to mass-producing standard ships. They could do that really fast. In some cases, they managed to build a ship in a little more than a month. And the entire population was deployed for that, even women. Anything to keep the wheels of industry turning. They had hit on a very quick and efficient way of working. Japan had also very quickly adopted that principle. They mass-produced and built ships in sections, which they then welded together, which meant they could work really quickly. And in Japan, that was coupled with low wages. So the major shipbuilders in the Netherlands had to consider what they were going to do and how they were going to do it.
1: At school, Kommer had heard a lot about mass production, but his father and uncle were still working in a traditional manner, supplying workboats for the government and dredging companies.
0: When I worked there, we were effectively working indirectly for the dredging companies, because they would typically take on work somewhere abroad and then had to quickly mobilize all the necessary equipment. So they would call my father to ask if he had a second-hand workboat for sale, because they had to go to Bahrain or Argentina or wherever. He would usually know where he could get one from a private owner and sell it on to them. I realized that the dredging companies were buying those second-hand vessels because they could be delivered fast. Then the idea struck me. If you stocked the components, you could assemble one of those things in around two weeks, which is a short enough delivery time.
2: The main thing was to be able to build quickly, so that when they got a call from a dredging company, they could deliver really fast, and they could sell them new ships. Because up until then, if something had to be delivered fast, they would go to a customer who already had a ship, ask if they could do without it for a while, and a few months later, that customer would receive a new ship, and then they'd sell it on really quickly. That worked for a traditional shipyard. But of course, it's much better to be able to sell a new ship, not least for financial reasons.
1: So Kommer drew up a plan, you might say a revolutionary plan, setting out his vision for the future. But that led to new tensions within the family. You can hear what happened next in the following episode of On Course. You've been listening to On Course, a podcast from Damen, made by audio agency Airborne. Don't want to miss another episode? Subscribe in your favorite podcast app.